0: .NET Rocks episode 641 with guest Giorgio Sardo, recorded live Monday, February 21st, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.NET, training developers to work smarter, and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now, here are Carl and Richard.
1: Thank you very much. Welcome to .NET Rocks. It's Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here on the East Coast and the West Coast of the United States of America and all over the world on the internet. Hope you're having a good time wherever you are. Hey, Richard. How are you, my friend? I'm well today. You know, I uh, every once in a while, something passes my desktop that uh, I really want to share with my friends in oh, dot yeah? .NET Rocksland. So so here we go. This is, uh, this is a poem oh. called Query. I shot a query into the net. I haven't got an answer yet. But seven people gave me hell and said I ought to learn to spell. A posted message called me rotten for ignoring mail I'd never gotten. An angry message asked me, please don't send such dribble overseas. A lawyer sent me private mail and swore he'd slap my ass in jail. I mentioned Unix in my gem and failed to add the T and M. <laughs> One awesome. netter thought it was a hoax. Hereafter, post to net.jokes. Another called my grammar vile and criticized my writing style. Each day, I scan each subject line in hopes the topic will be mine. I shot a query into the net. I haven't got an answer yet. That's awesome. Not really. No? That's okay. I think it's hilarious. Oh, that's why I could tell, because you're laughing hysterically. I'm not in a laugh hysterically kind of mood today, my friend. You're laughing on the inside. I'll laugh tomorrow. All right. Let's get into uh, Better Know Framework. All righty. Yeah. So uh, Better Know Framework, I'm sharing some things that I've spelunked in uh, Silverlight World. Because you've been spelunking. I've been spelunking a little bit. One thing I think that's really important to understand is the binding mode when you're doing uh, data binding. Oh, yeah? Which data binding isn't just for data and that comes from databases. Of course, it's property binding, really, is what it should be called. Right, right. That's fair. Property of one uh, object to any property of another object. So in order to do binding, your objects that you're bound to must implement the I Notify property changed interface, which essentially, in your setters, you need to make a call that basically says, hey, the value of this property has changed, all right? So the default mode of a binding is two-way, and that updates the target property um, whenever, whenever either the target property or the source property changes. So whenever, say, you have a an object customer and last name is bound to a text field in Silverlight or WPF, if you update the object it will update in the UI. And if you update the UI, it will also update the object. That's two-way. One-way updates the target property. Let's say it's the uh, the text box only when the source property changes. One-time updates the target property only when the application starts or when the data context, which you're bound to, undergoes a change. One-way-to-source updates the source property when the target property changes in default. Causes the default mode value of the target property to be used. I might be wrong about two-way being the default all the time. Right. So you might need to check default, but it's always better just to explicitly set what you want. Yeah, so that's, that's it. That's the Silverlight lesson of the day. Awesome. You've been living and breathing Silverlight lately. Yeah, I see. There's a... Uh, a programmatic way to determine whether dependency property binds one way or two way by default is to get the property metadata of the property using get metadata and then check the Boolean value of the binds two way by default property. So check the property to check the
0: property binding. Awesome. Hey, man, who's talking to us today? Uh, I dug an older email up, but you'll like this one. It's interesting. Uh Hi, dudes. Good I answer. like it. I like it. Yeah. I am just listening to show 619 with Sean Wildermuth, and a discussion on HTML5 and mobile platforms seem to lack some important insights. Uh Uh-oh. You were talking about the effects of limited screen real estate on the design of websites, and to me, that is just missing the point. Oh. The main problem with designing web for mobile is not primarily about screen size, but about context. The huge success for apps for mobile devices when it comes to utility apps that are not games is a direct function of the cost of the app development that forces companies to prioritize, which leads them to thinking about context, thus tipping them into the pit of success. Mm. So I guess his point here is that you only build the parts you really, really need to keep the cost down, and that ends up making it a better app, although that doesn't necessarily make it a web app either.
1: Well, yeah, and I think the the screen size is just a constraint that makes your... It changes your design and changes your context.
0: Right. But he goes on. I think
1: that was the point.
0: Yes, I am one of those people who spend a lot of time surfing the web on my iPhone whilst watching TV instead of talking to my wife. Mm. But the times when the mobile platform is really useful is when I'm on the run. The sites that really work are the ones that take this into account. Mm -hmm. It is the sites that have been designed to answer my needs while on the run. Mm. We recently built a site for a Swedish textile retail company called Hemtex, That site is full of product, stores, and branding-focused content, and it all works on mobile devices. Hmm. When I'm out shopping, though, I couldn't care less about the branding stuff. I want to know what products they have, where the nearest store is, and whether what I want is in stock or not. So a mobile version is still needed. Right. And the mobile version, obviously nobody wants to wait forever for all these big graphics to load, should just be informational. I, I totally agree, except for the part where... You probably have a contract with the branding company, and they care about having the branding stuff on the site. Well, of course. So you're going to have to get it on there somehow. because you don't want it doesn't mean somebody else doesn't want it.
1: Well, that's very true. You need, you need to have your branding stuff on there. Just be minimally
0: invasive. Right. Uh, most of us who are in the industry have been using the web for over 15 years now, and we are so used to the paradigm of being at the computer while surfing that we tend to forget it is not always the case while surfing mobile. Very true. And by the way, building apps... On mobile is quite easy using jQuery Mobile. Mm. Keep up the good work. And that's from Johan Urbrink uh, from Sweden. And uh, Johan, I don't necessarily agree with all your points, but that won't stop me from sending you a mug. <laughs> and if you've got questions, concerns, ideas for shows, just want to tell us how wrong we are, send us an email at .net rocks at franklins.net. And don't forget to comment on shows on the brand new shiny .NET Rocks website. That's right. That's where we really want to see your comments, right in the show page itself. You know the answer is, Carl. It's that? I'm going to have to start reading comments from the website and sending those people mugs. I, I think that's a great idea. I think that's the answer. We'll start doing that next. Let's do that from now on. Hey, one more thing before we get into the uh, interview ndc the norwegian developers conference Mm -hmm. yeah it's right around the corner it's coming june 8th to 10th in oslo norway and you're just about out of time to get early bird tickets and get a discount on the price last year over 1300 people came and rumor has it i read a tweet scott guthrie's going to be there this year Ooh, scott guthrie and norway what there you go come on on? hey and we're going to be there too that's right we will We'll so uh, go to www.ndc2011.no. Sign up now, get your early bird price, and tell them .NET Rocks sent you.
1: Our guest today on .NET Rocks is Giorgio Sardo. Giorgio is an HTML5 and IE senior technical evangelist for Microsoft. Before joining Microsoft, Giorgio mastered the art of development in Italy, leading a national university community forum and winning the 2006 Imagine Cup Worldwide Championship with a futuristic project. In 2007, he started his experience in Microsoft UK as user experience consultant, delivering stunning solutions based on Silverlight, the .NET framework, and Windows Mobile. One year later, he has been nominated Best Consultant of the Year from the British Computer Society. Wow. Early 2009, Giorgio moved to the Microsoft headquarters in Redmond to focus on Internet Explorer and the future of the web. He loves engaging with communities and listening to real-world scenarios. In the last few years, he's presented at many conferences worldwide about HTML5, the web and mobile platform, and much, much more. Welcome, Giorgio Sardo.
2: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you here today.
0: i got to ask you about the Imagine Cup win back in 2006. What's the uh, futuristic project that
2: (laughs) you I remember I met you about, now it's four or five years ago. It was a solution uh, in the healthcare uh, system. It was a solution spanning from mobile devices to embedded devices to the web. And uh, it was quite futuristic at the time. It was really challenging the Windows platform using the new Silverlight and WPF of the time.
1: So what exactly did it do?
2: Uh, well, I was co- actually collecting many information from uh, biometric information to contextual information, and then trying to uh, tell a story. Try to record the story of patient, for example, suffering from uh, um, from either heart disease or memory disease or anxiety disorders. And the goal was really to provide uh, some kind of like book uh, to the to the doctor about uh, what the patient uh, did during the day to help him like diagnoses and. Uh, and, and fixing uh, possible issues.
1: Oh well, that's great. Yes, uh, and and this, uh, what was the award of best consultant of the consultant of the year? How did that? Oh,
2: <laughs> well, that was actually quite cool. Um, in, in UK, when I was joining Microsoft UK, I was working on very futuristic project. Uh, uh, for example, I worked on the Aston Martin or BBC Aston kind of Martin. like prototype or scenarios of the futures, and uh, and at that, at, that, at some point. Um, I've been recognized as one of the uh, leading uh, consultants in uh, in UK. That was quite impressive. I felt very lucky to work with uh, uh, very good uh, teammates at the time.
1: Oh, well that's fa- that's fantastic. So how is your how, wh- at what point did you start working on IE? Was well, that uh, you know, 2009?
2: When I, when I came here to Redmond um I restarted with what at the time was uh, Internet Explorer 8, mm-hmm. and I think it was still in Beta 1. So it was about two years and a half, three years ago. Um, and that's where I got uh, even more passionate and involved about uh, IE and the web standards. Um, I've been doing web development for many years. Um, but like at the beginning, I was more like a, a developer focused on the tools, and I wanted to get more insights into actually what's come, what what goes behind the, the pure web development. And that's when I started working on HTML5, and and and, and that's where I'm here today, um, spending a lot of time working and playing with web standards and uh, challenging actually the web standards and working closely with the uh, IE team uh, to demonstrate like the potential of, of web standard in HTML5.
1: Well, in an upcoming .NET Rock show, you'll hear we recorded with uh, Bruce Lawson and Remy Sharp about, about uh, HTML5. Do you know those guys?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. They are very uh, popular guys in the community. And uh, I'm, we met, actually, I met them uh, previously in, uh, in some events.
1: And um, they had good things to say about IE9, although they re- didn't really know about it all that much. But I guess, um, you know, IE, uh, Internet Explorer, had been sort of behind the eight ball. Uh, when it came to features and particularly html5 what um uh, and and they as you can you'll hear in this upcoming uh uh talk and in this upcoming interview that we did with them they you know they weren't too sure about uh exactly about all the great html5 stuff in ie9 so why don't you tell us a little bit and and also compared to the other apps out there uh, the webkit-based browsers and the other ones yeah
2: so I think both uh Remy and Bruce actually they uh, they wrote a book um I think it's called Introduction to HTML five. Yep. Um where they actually call out the, the support for I9. Um, obviously, uh, as you understand, HTML five is a, is an umbrella term today, right? Yeah. Uh, initially, it was just one specification. Today, we use it to refer to hundreds of specifications. Right. So it's kind of like difficult sometimes to define the the, the boundary between what is HTML five, what is CSS three, what is ECMAScript, uh, which is like the the new JavaScript. Right. Um, and with IE, we are coming from a very, very, uh, whole history. We, we had a lot of browsers in our pipeline, uh, and it's been, I, am very glad to see that, uh, with IE9, we kind of like turned the perception and we, we're getting very good feedbacks about the implementation of, uh, HTML5 and other specs, um, and other standards in the current builds of i 9 um, when I think about, uh, i9 and HTML5, I think that, um, the main areas, uh, where, where, we invested our resources are really what developers have been asking for and also are like the most mature areas in the HTML5 space. So obviously we support the HTML5 spec, which gives you all of the new markup elements They give you the canvas. And I know, I saw you at the, at an interview with Grant Skinner. Mm-hmm. So you already talked about the canvas in detail. Um, We implement obviously the audio and the video element, uh, which as you know allows you to play media inside a web page without using plugins. Uh, we support many of the new uh, CSS3 features, so you can have, like, 2D transform, you can have uh, all of the rich colors with alpha uh, and, and opacity. Uh, you have, like, WoF fonts, so you can embed custom fonts in the page. Uh, we support all of the new background and and border modules, and there are many, many other CSS3 modules that are supported in i9. Um, We support the new JavaScript engine, uh, in particular, uh, the new specification called ECMAScript 2625. Uh, And that's basically what gives you new write method or like gives you a new way to program using JavaScript, which is more similar to the kind of like uh, object-oriented programming, although you know that JavaScript is a dynamic language. Um, And then there are many other specifications that are equally important, but uh, usually less common in the in the common like in, in the developer uh, knowledge of like terms like we support the dom uh, um, events uh, level 2 level 3 we support many other new standards from the, from the dom space uh, and lastly we support svg so finally i9 is the first browser in in, uh, in the ie3 to support natively svg
0: um, for those who don't know svg what is that
2: so SVG stands for uh, uh, Scalable Vetrographic, and basically uh, it's a way to create graphic on the browser, on the page, using scalable graphic. Um, yep. If you're familiar with XAML, for example, it's quite similar in terms of, like, concept to what XAML does with Silverlight, mm-hmm. uh, where you have objects that can rescale uh, dynamically on the page.
1: And it's been around for a while, right?
2: Yeah, SVG has actually uh, been there for for many years. Yeah, um, and
1: it's been in IE since w- what? I think I was it was the IE six days. I was asked to write a uh, a web page that did real time graphs of data, um, and I think it was SVG that I used.
2: Mm. SVG is definitely very handy for building like a type of application with graphs or charts. Um, and in the past, uh, um, Adobe provided a plugin uh, so that you could install in any browser that supports SVG. Uh, progressively, browsers start implementing SVG natively. And with IE9, we really took on board the feedback from the communities, and we decided to implement SVG as a native solution. And we also went uh, beyond what was already available in other browsers. So IE9 was the first browser to uh, to implement to allow you to use SVG. Uh, snippets of code inside an HTML page. So you don't need to create new documents. You, need, you don't need to create uh, um XHTML pages. You can just have like a plain HTML page, which is what you use every day, and, and write little snippets of SVG. So for example, you can imagine having your uh, HTML markup, and then in the middle you can have a circle or you can have a rectangle or you can actually draw just using the SVG markup syntax.
0: And an SVG is actually like an XML file. It's text that describes right. a a drawing. It's
1: like metafile yes. stuff. Yeah.
2: Th- th- that's correct. Yeah. So you have shapes, you have paths, and then you, you using JavaScript. So using the same language that you already know, uh you can do animation or you can do interaction with the SVGs where each path, each rectangle, each shape will be, just be act as a as an object.
1: Right. So these are the some of the cool things that are in, implemented in IE9. Tell us, honestly, what um, has yet to be implemented that maybe other browsers have implemented, and conversely, features of IE9 that other browsers are have not implemented.
2: Yeah, th- talk that's, differences. that's a very interesting question. So um, I'll start with like a, a very high-level overview because of like the complexity of the space, and then sure. I can drill down into a few examples. Um, so in general, when we look at the HTML5 spec, and because it's so complex, because it's so huge, uh, we need to have, uh, obviously, a strategy in place to to implement HTML5. And, and the decision that the Internet Explorer team took uh, when we started looking at i 9 was to build something that was interoperable. Um, so in the years, in the past years, we've made mistakes, but we also learned a lot from our own experience and from other browsers' experience. And what we learned is that developers today, they don't care about the browser. They really care about building something that will work and will render uh, correctly in all browsers. And so we started implementing HTML5 specification and also look at the same time to make them interoperable. And so we did a lot of testing across browsers to make sure that we implement something that will last over the years right we don't want you to write an application using the canvas today and then that application breaks because uh something changed or because the specification was not complete yet and so all of the features that you see in 99 uh, we believe uh, are are in a very good shape and good progress in the standard body in particular in the in the w3c Uh, What we didn't implement in I-9 are some equally interesting features um, that, by the way, will not come to life or are not ready yet to come to life. And I will give you an example. Um, uh, One of our team... um, has been working a lot, for example, on, on the database space. Um, and so, for example, one of the HTML5 capabilities is the ability to have uh, an index DB, a database inside the browser, inside the client. Mm. And so you can build your own database on the client side and start storing data on the client. And so the specification, the first specification to cover database was called Web SQL database. And this is something that I believe Opera has been the first browser to implement about one year ago. And then at the same time, we were working on the specification. And as we look at the specification, we thought that it wasn't really addressing the issue. It was actually introducing the knowledge of SQL inside the page. And we didn't want to take a dependency on SQL because, lastly, our users are JavaScript users, are HTML users. They're not SQL developers. And so what we did, instead of just implementing blindly the specification, we came up with another proposal specification called IndexDB, which does something very similar, but it, a kind of like abstract on the language. So instead of using SQL, it just gives you an abstract API language that allows you to interact and do the similar operation with the browser, with, so with the database. And what happened is that uh, at, the, uh, at the time we submitted the specification, Mozilla actually liked our specification. And so we have a longer-term commitment now to to support the index B specification this is not available yet in I-9, but yet this is something that we're working on. And the reason it's not in I-9 is just because the spec is not ready yet. And as I said, you might remember what we did with I-6. We implemented many specification or many features just because developer asked for that. And then... 10 years later, actually, let's be honest, we need to face with that legacy of code because the specification was not ready or that feature didn't become a standard a year later. And so we really learn a lot from the history and we want to avoid, again, these kind of mistakes. And I think that we're doing pretty well with, with this regard. We're, really, we're receiving uh, a lot of good feedbacks from, from W3C and from uh, web standard experts.
0: And Mozilla is now Firefox, right? That's the actual implementation?
2: That's correct. When I say Mozilla, uh, Mozilla is kind of like the company, and Firefox is the name of the browser.
1: Sure. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who want me to tell you about JustMock, Telerik's mocking tool. And unlike most mocking tools, JustMock can work with non-virtual methods, sealed classes, and static methods and classes, giving you complete control over your code. And of course, you get that great Telerik quality and support. You can read more and download the tool at Telerik.com slash mock, And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks on their Facebook fan page, Facebook.com slash Telerik.
0: I don't know how much visibility you have into this, this dynamic of uh, developing new specifications and then feeding it to, is it the what WG folks or the W3C folks? Like how do you get those, you surface this idea of a better data store. You yep. know, how do they get adopted?
2: Sure. So uh, the place where all of the conversations uh, happen is really the W3C. So W3C is a consortium. Uh, it's made of uh, many people, and these people include large organizations, large, large corporates. So there is Microsoft, there is Google, there is Mozilla, uh, there is Opera. But there is also like Adobe, and so there are uh, authority tools. Uh, and there are also devices, right? Because when you think about it, HTML5 is not just something about browser. It's about the future of the web. And so Nokia is there, or Sony, or uh, uh, the television, and so LG. Like, there are a lot of people and, and companies interested in the web standards. And there are also like people from the academia, from the university, or invited experts. And so the process for a specification is more or less the same for, for, for any... Working group, I should say that the W3C is the consortium and is divided into working groups. And so, for example, there would be a group of people that work on HTML. There is a group of people that work on CSS or another one that works on the geolocation, etc. And inside each working group, every member can submit a new proposal. So if you believe you have a new way to, to handle, for example, a new technology, you can write a specification and submit it to the attention of the working group. And from there, like it's visible, right? It's an open conversation. And that's where we are involved with, uh, with Microsoft and the IT team. Um, I think we are counting about 60 people uh, from our team that are having daily conversation about existing standards, about correcting features, about proposing new elements or proposing new features, and sometimes proposing even new documents, new specifications. And this is kind of like an iterative uh, approach. Um, To give you also some some other um, visibility over what happens when a specification is published, let's take, for example, the HTML specification. Um, It's been introduced, I think it was six or seven years ago. It's been a a while since the working group has been working on it. And over the years, all of the members of the working group have been providing comments and feedbacks, and so there's been a lot of edits. Um, This is the phase where the specification change every day. So every day the specification change, and every day there are uh, new features, there are features that are removed, or features that are changed. And at this time, the spec is called working draft. When the specification gets closer closer to be kind of future complete, this is how we call it in Microsoft, the specification goes to last call. And last call means uh, we are done with the specification. So now it's really the time for implementers to start implementing it and really give us the latest feedbacks because after that, we will freeze it and we will not make any further uh, um, change. Right. And so the HTML specification has been uh, announced recently that is on path and is on schedule uh, to be to go to last call actually in May of this year. So around May of this year, the HTML specification will go to um, to last call, meaning that HTML five will be future complete in May, and then obviously we'll take a few other years before all of the browsers and all of the implementers uh, um, successfully uh, implement the specification. Um, and another work stream that happens in parallel is, like, providing test cases. Uh, but this is, like, an, another important conversation, and, uh, and you might have other questions.
0: You're doing our job for us here, Giorgio, because I was going to say, yep. hey, what about the tests?
2: <laughs> you see? Yeah. So, um, and, and this is this is a question that I get a lot from developers, right? So, how do you, as a developer, know if the future is working correctly in all browsers? How do you know if the, if he has the same behaviors? And lastly, I think that the answer is that you as a developer, you shouldn't care about that. You should assume that um, because it's a standard, all of the browsers are implementing the standard in the same way. The reality is that there are around uh, 1,100 pages in the HTML5-only specification. And so when you have a browser or different browsers implementing such a large specification, uh, it's quite common to see ambiguities or to see um, specific, to see features that have different behaviors from browser to browser, and our approach the approach that we believe is is critical to take in Microsoft is to uh, build test cases that actually validate our implementation with the the, the standard specification right and that 's why in the last uh, three years four years, Microsoft has been uh, Uh, submitting to the W3C 1,000 of test cases, and I'm really talking about, I think we're we're counting more than 15,000 of test cases, and if you ever built a test case for your application, you know that building 15,000 test cases actually requires time, requires resources, but we believe in this approach. We believe this is the right thing to do, and... uh, It helps us with our implementation, but we believe also implements the rest of the community, um, making sure that our implementation follows the same line. And actually, W3C is looking for for more and more test cases. So um, if you want to submit your own test cases, please feel free to do so. Uh, W3C will be very happy to to get your test cases and add them to the test suite.
0: And I'm thinking of the ACID test that... uh... Uh, Ian Hickson developed that seemed yeah. to be very popular for you know does your browser do what it's supposed to do? Yep. I think IE9 the RC currently comes in 95 of 100 on Acid3.
2: Yeah, that's correct. And so let's say for example a good point. Acid3 test uh, for those of you that for those that don't know it is a test made by Ian Hickson he's a Google employee, and he basically put together 100 test cases, and those test cases are Testing across uh, I think uh, five or six different uh, specifications, from uh, CSS to HTML to SVG to JavaScript, so 100 test cases. And so as I said, as you compare such a small uh, subset of tests to the larger uh, test suite that is being developed by W3C, you kind of like quickly understand how this is really not relevant compared like to the larger picture. Um, as you say, as you noted, i9 uh, reached 95 out of 100 points in the AC3 test. And to be very frank, and, and I want to be super clear on this, the AC3 test has never been and will never be uh, uh, some kind of goal for us. Our goal is not to to do 100 to score 100 on AC3. Our goal is to uh, provide a good implementation to developers. Right. right? And so as we implement the standards, it's obvious that uh, we we will get a better and better score on S3, but our goal is not to reach one hundred percent on that, because it's not about marketing messages. It's not about saying, hey, we are the most standard compliant browser. Lastly, it's about developers and, and allow developers to write one code that works across browsers. And and then let's deep dive in let's dive into those missing five points. Mm. The reason ie 9 doesn't get those f- extra 5 points is that the AZ3 tests include a few test cases for uh, a future called uh, SVG fonts which basically allow you to use custom fonts inside SVG. Right? And the reason we didn't implement that is because we work on uh, on the new standard with uh, with Mozilla called CSS3 WOFF fonts.
1: Um w- how, how, what did you say WC3 WOFF fonts? Woof? That's
2: co- Woof. Woff. Woff. W O W F. That's okay. a funny name to to describe a, a new standard to to basically embed fonts.
0: Okay, and that's Web Open Font Format.
2: That's correct. You're right. Okay. Wow. And so we already support this in 99 9 And basically, it's a new way. It's a standard way to embed custom fonts with all of the licensing, covering, and, and all of the issues covered by the specification. Hmm. And so we allow you, as a developer, we give you the ability to use custom fonts using CSS3 fonts. Okay. Um, at the same time, the SVG specification, which is developed by a different working group called SVG Working Group. In the past years, before this new CSS3 WAF font was available, they created some other spe- specification to allow you to do fonts using SVG fonts. But uh, as you can understand, like between there is a clear overlap now between SVG fonts and CSS3 fonts. Mm. And so instead of just blindly uh, supporting both of them, we've been having conversation with the W3C and the SVG group as well agreed that uh, the SVG fonts are are, are not good anymore because it was needed years ago, but now the longer term solution is to use CSS3 fonts. And the good thing is that you can apply CSS3 rules to SVG uh, markup elements. This is Something that I love, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the kind of like interchange and connection between different standards. And so we decided not to implement the SVG fonts, but we decided to implement the CSS3 fonts because that's what the W3C and the SVG and the CSS working group are going to invest in the future. And so I don't think we will ever reach 100 on, SVG, on, on the S3 test just because of this.
0: It sounds to me like you're running into the classic issue of they created a test around a non-ratified standard and then the standard has now shifted.
2: Yeah, uh, and, and I think you're right. So uh, what's happening today is that uh, we're seeing a lot of interest and passion for HTML5, and that's great. And at the same time, we see uh, small websites emerging. For example, there is one called html5test.com uh, that actually bring together many specifications and many features. Uh, and some of the specification might be already standard, some other might be very far from being a standard and so i think it's not correct today to include everything together um, each of the specification in the larger html5 umbrella term uh, is following a different path and is in a different stage um, the ones that are working draft are most likely to change every day and so it's not correct to test browsers today for this browser, for these features just because the features keep changing and so for example, uh, let's take the web workers. Uh, web workers is a very interesting feature that basically allows you to uh, create a socket uh, from a web page. And you can have some kind of it's quite interesting. You can have some kind of like a um, chat scenario between web pages where you create your own socket and you send everything you want over the wire. Now there is a specification, and this specification is still a working draft. Uh, we, obviously, in are 9 uh, have been looking into the specification and we provided our feedback. But we, when we look at the specification, we also care about it being uh, complete, not just from a future comp- perspective, but from a security perspective and from a privacy perspective. There are many, many considerations going on behind the scenes. Um, in the meantime, other browsers uh, supported the web workers for a few months, for some year. And what happened in the last year is that a, the web worker specification changed many times. And so every time the browser basically had to update their code, and consequently, uh, some of the applications that had been built by developers broke. And so the developers had to rewrite their code to comply to the new implementation. Until some point uh, last, at the end of the last year where a security uh, researcher basically found a, a, quite u- a quite big security issue with the Web Worker uh, protocol. So this is something defined by the IETF. And so what happened is that all of the browsers implementing the WebSockets, they had to remove the future from the browser. And so all of the applications that were relying on WebSockets now are in a kind of like a limbo uh, in a position where they need to fall back to Flash or to other solutions because the browser doesn't support anymore the WebSocket natively. And so from our side, for example, we've been involved and we have a working prototype of the WebSockets. And we share those with the community. So those are available. Uh, and this is something that uh, Jean-Paul is, in our team is, is following. But we believe it's important to make a, dif- uh, a very clear, dif- uh, differentiated environment for developers about uh, HTML5 ready and standardized and, and, and secure and, uh, and compliant today versus all of those HTML5 features that are still happening, are still in development and will be uh, ready in the next coming future.
0: Giorgio, uh, you say you collect user stories. I mean, stories of people using IE9. Maybe you could share a few of those.
2: (laughs) Well, um, actually, I I would ask you, like, did you use IE9?
0: I use IE9, yeah. And, uh, obviously, you know, we talked to Grant Skinner. I play Pirates Love Daisies too, but that's, (laughs) I actually have to send that guy a bill for the amount of my life I've lost over (laughs) that stupid,
1: stupid game. How about this? Do you hear, do you hear, uh, from the community, We want this feature, or we want that feature, or here's one thing that really drives me crazy. Um, Even as little things like UI.
2: Oh, yes, we hear that every day. Um, and, And lastly, we expect this, right? I don't think we will ever be in a point where the community are just happy with what we ship it and we just say, okay, enough. Uh, and I think this encouraged us, like we want to be better and we want to improve. And we know that there is definitely a space to, to, to improve in, in, in the coming builds, in the coming months and with future releases. Um, what, we've, uh, what I've seen so far, so to give you some number, uh, we saw about 25 million downloads of the i9 beta. And within a few days after we released the release candidate, uh, we saw already 2 million downloads. So all of these numbers are already very encouraging for us because they are uh, much bigger than any other browsers out there in terms of like um, uh, speed of of growth. And in terms of feedback, uh, I like sometimes to just take a, a five minutes break and just go to Twitter and look at the Twitter stream. And it's quite exciting to follow what what's, uh, what's being said about i9. Um, I see a lot of users talking about the performance. Uh, I think. Uh, yeah, Grant defined i9 as smoking fast, which was a, a nice way to to describe it. Um, I saw other people uh, saying that uh, i9 is actually faster than Chrome, um, which again uh, it's 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 expected, but it's nice to see people that are um, are coming from other browsers and now switching back to i9. Um, I think I absolutely love what uh, Mozilla and Google and other browser makers did in the last year, and I think that this kind of like competition of, um, among browsers is just making the browsers better. Um, and I love the fact that now with i9 we are in a very good place. Uh, a feature that I've been asked a lot, uh, well, uh, well, that uh, I think people are absolutely loving it, is also the ability to uh, to drag a website to the taskbar. So, you know that we can do like site, right? So, if you go every day to the same website, we thought, why don't we just turn that website into a Windows application? And basically, what you do is take your tab, you drag and drop your tab to the taskbar, and now the five icon of the website and the the website is there in the taskbar every day. So, it's a very quick shortcut uh, uh, to access the website. And so, that's something that I personally use, for example, for Facebook, I use it for Twitter, uh, and I use it for uh, like my favorite radio station uh, in, in Italy. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can share the name here, but um, it's actually a pretty impressive future and, uh, and as so many websites already taking uh, leveraging on, on top of this future and implementing the jump list and inter- implementing the, the notifications.
1: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at InRule. Hey, Coding Ninja, what if your business users could update their own decision logic but you still had control over how it's used. With InRule, the only business rule technology built for .NET, you can reduce hard coding and change requests. InRule is extensible and customizable. Developers get a rich SDK and an extensible framework. Business users get integration with Word and a Microsoft Office-like UI. Visit InRule.com for a free trial download and see for yourself why another coding ninja calls InRule the best investment in software we've ever made. Check out InRule Technologies' link on our website at .netrocks.com.
0: It's interesting playing with IE9 and realizing, uh, and I think we talked about this a bit with Pete LePage a while back, yeah. how IE9 isn't for us. Like, I'm a big bookmarker, but apparently I'm the anomaly. And so bookmarks are sort of shoved off to the side in IE9. Yeah,
2: well, our our customers are really Windows customers, right? Right. So uh, we have, like, about 1 billion Windows customers. And when we look at those users, we're really uh, talking about a very diverse and very... Uh, 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 yeah, a very diverse audience. And so there will be mom and pop that don't know anything about technology and and, then just care about uh, a a quick and a fast browsing experience. Um, There will be developers that care about uh, all of the latest HTML5 features, uh, there will be like a web designer and people that are artists that might care about how the, how the browser looks like and uh, the user experience of the browser. And so we tend to accommodate all, all of our customers and all of our users. And, and we receive, we get a lot of feedbacks either through our channels on Connect or through our channels uh, using Scream data. Um, we call Scream data basically... You know, when you install any Windows application, uh, sometimes you're asked if you want to send us some anonymous data, uh, and it's a deliberately option that you have. And if you send that data, we just collect it anonymously, and, and we take our uh, uh, and we do our counts on that. And what we notice, looking at uh, the patterns where IE users are using, um, have been using IE in the last years, we notice that not a lot of users are using the favorites. Like I'm, for example, one of I, I probably have like 200 favorite links in, in my favorite bar, um, but surprisingly, not not more than five or 10% are using the favorites bar. Um, instead, there are many users, maybe 40%, uh, 50% that are uh, already pinning websites or pinning applications to the to the Windows taskbar. And so we decided to prioritize those features that makes more sense for our users, and that's how we design i9.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting to see that the differences and uh, you know they, that things are laid out differently that you would that I used a lot that apparently a lot of people don't use. So, Georgia, where are we at now? Uh, can you give us the date of the release of IE9?
2: <laughs> I can't. So, but I can give you other dates. So, let me tell you that we released the uh, release candidate uh, a few days ago, and the release candidate is basically our future complete build. Uh, it's already stable. Uh, we've been having, like as I said, 27 uh, million of uh, downloads of of i9 beta and release candidate, uh, and users that are that switch to i9 release candidate, they are there to stay. They are really liking it, um, and that means h 5 that means the new perf- very quick performance and the new Windows 7 features. Uh, In terms of next steps, uh, the IE team will uh, celebrate what we call the beauty of the web. This is kind of like a theme behind I-9. And so we will uh, uh, meet our communities and uh, communities of web developers and web designers at the South by Southwest event. So this is uh, happening uh, around the 14th of March. and we will be there just to meet people and, and show what uh, what great experience we built with i nine and just get feedbacks one more time is another opportunity to to get feedbacks um, actually, if you're planning to attend the event uh, the i team uh, is arranging a party, so there's going to be an i e party uh, we have a lineup of uh, artists and concerts which which is very promising so let me know if you need some ticket uh, i think i can I can get you some VIP ticket if you're interested um and then from there we will uh, we will keep building on top of this momentum, and, and I can tell you we are not done. Uh, I saw an article a few days ago uh, asking, "What if this is like, what is it, what if i9 is well, as far as I, the i.e team can get?" And actually, let me tell you uh, that i9 is just the beginning. We have many more surprises and much more, um, uh, many more features coming along in the pipeline.
0: So uh, this is just the beginning. So there yeah. is an IE10 in the works? <laughs> of course there is, Richard. Well, don't you know anything? A question, Richard.
2: <laughs> I don't know the number. I don't know the name, but sure there will be a V-NEXT.
0: <laughs> IEX. And, and- That would
2: be interesting. And actually, uh, this time we are quite open and and we're more transparent over our plans. For example, if you go to the HTML5 InteroperabilityBridges.com website today, um, you can already see some of the other experiments about upcoming standards that we're doing in IE. Uh, those are futures that didn't make it in I-9 because they're not standardized yet, uh, but we are already investing in prototyping and working with the W3C on those futures: uh, IndexedDB, is one web WebSockets, but there is much more coming.
0: And where was that?
2: So this is the... Uh, I-, I will send you the link, but is uh, uh, Actually, let me give you another website that has a nice shortcut to this one. So if you go to ietestdrive.com, it will give you uh, at the bottom. You will find a link to the HTML5 labs. HTML5 labs is where we do all of these experiments uh, about upcoming standard specification that might not be ready yet to be used in the work in the mainstream, but uh, it's good to share like and to start testing with those. Yeah. And the other website that I recommend you to to look at is called beautyoftheweb.com, and beautyoftheweb. It's really a collection of uh, what we call beautiful experiences. So you will find some of the most uh, some of the website HTML5 website that have been recognized by many experts as the best website of the year. So uh, Pirates Love Daisy is there. There is another one that I absolutely love. It's called Never Mind the Bullets. Uh, It's been built by uh, design agents in France, and it's just amazing, like the kind of parallax uh, effects that you have on the site. I'm not sure if you had the time to, if you already look at it. Uh, There are other sites. For example, there is a link to this website of The Killers. So the band, The Killers. They redesigned the entire website uh, using HTML5. And so... Mm. They, they came up with a very, very interesting and very, very peculiar topic uh, that led to explore the, the, the panorama of Las Vegas and get inside the elements. And that's built using Canvas and SVG and others. And then the last one that I really like is the BMW website uh, done by the agency EMC and basically allow you to see uh, a BMW car and you can spin in different, and see it in, in different uh, views.
1: Giorgio, how closely do you guys work with the ASP.NET team?
2: So they, uh, we do work with them. Uh, the The Internet Explorer team is is working actually closely with with many other teams within the company, and ASP.NET is just one of those.
1: So, um, do you have any? Do you do you advise the ASP.NET team on um, on Implementation uh, or or features and taking being able to take advantage of um, HTML5 and ASP.NET. Do you have those kinds of conversations?
2: Yes, we do. Uh, actually, the conversation is quite interesting because ASP.NET uh is like a server-side language. So the initial goal of ASP.NET is to provide uh, a language for the server side that lastly can emit uh, markup for the client side as well.
1: Well, yeah. And, you know, in particular, I'm thinking about tooling around the things that HTML5 can do really well
2: yeah and so when you think about tooling the the visual Studio team actually already uh, shipped it, i think it's a beta uh, service pack one beta which basically adds support in Visual Studio for the new html l five markups elements mm-hmm. so you have you have like the intelligence for all of the new uh, nav or article or section or f- or a figure or fig caption, all of these new elements in the HTML5 markups are now supported by the uh, IntelliSense in, in Visual Studio. I think one of the next steps for the SP.NET team and for the Ajax team will be to uh, allow SP.NET to export uh, code that relies on specific CSS3 features, for example, or yes. specific HTML5 features. And there is definitely a conversation going on there, and you will hear from us again on that very soon.
1: I don't know. I don't know about you, but I think, um, CSS is one of those magic things that, um, your, your classic developer or your average developer, I think maybe has a hard time with. I don't find that many ASP.NET developers embracing CSS. The ones that I do, that you do see generally already know CSS and now they're working in ASP.NET. But, uh, you know, a, a business web developer, um, and I'm not. I'm not trying to make a generalization. I'm. I'm saying this has been my experience when talking to business developers that CSS is just like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's this magic. And CSS three promises even more complexity. What do you? What do you find the the solution to that is?
2: Yeah, I. I kind of like agree with you on the fact that CSS three allows more control to the CSS style sheets over the page. And so, for example, you can do. Different layouts um, depending on the on the size of the page or the size of the screen or the or the type of device using a property called CSS3 media queries. Um, or you can do many other things with CSS3 that before you need to rely on JavaScript or you need to rely on on, on different technologies. Mm. Um, I think it's very interesting that um, in the past when we look at the HTML5 developers or HTML developers in general we tend to look to one person only being the the developer, right? Um, I think in the future, what we will see is the combination of uh, developer and designers working together on uh, HTML5 content. And it will be very interesting to see the workflow between the two.
1: Yes, it will, especially because Microsoft has really put so much effort into the blend uh, tools, but it's really only WPF and Silverlight. And man, if there were tools like that for HTML5, you know? Yeah, I think you're right, Carl. It's the
0: tooling around CSS oh, that's yeah. frustrating. Absolutely.
2: I totally agree with you. The tooling is uh, is a uh, is one of the areas where we need as a community, so we we need more more uh we need more in general. And you know, Microsoft uh, you know makes that, the best like,
1: tools, so get get to work, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well you, you know our tools you you mentioned expressions tool you mentioned visual studio right you know that our developers love and in general like developers love the the toolings coming in tools coming out from microsoft yeah so we learn. We, we made a lot of experience in the past i think we have a very strong story here uh, just hold on for updates
1: oh okay mm, stay hinting. tuned he said he said, in other words, I can't tell you what you want to know, <laughs> but you will like what's happening in the future. So stick I, around. I,
2: I can tell you that I would love to see um, to see compelling tools that help uh, developers and designers uh, accelerating this,
1: this workflow. Of course. And, you know, we, we knew that's where Microsoft was going, but we, you know, of course, haven't heard anything. It's still, it's still very early.
2: And we don't have anything to say uh, sure. or announce today.
0: All right. Well, I tried. <laughs>
1: can't blame we'll a host try. for trying, can you?
0: <laughs> well, it sounds like South by Southwest going to be good fun.
1: Yeah, that that's uh, not to be missed. Do they, um, if you can't get to South by Southwest, do they record and you know, video record the 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 presentations there, or
0: stream it?
2: i would be there, and I might be to arrange something if you'd like.
0: Whoa! Okay. We'll figure it out. We really ought to Donnet Rock's ought to go to South Southwest. We South really ought to. We ought we to do some really shows from there. Of course you if you I know you go there, Carl, you'll be there for the music week. We won't see you again.
1: Well, I'd like to bring my band
0: to play there, but sure. You know, that's what I'd like.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Giorgio, thank you. The hour hours flown by as usual. And um I'm I was fascinated just to listen to to what's going on in the I E nine world and the H T M L five world. And it's uh it's gonna be a, a it's going to be a bright, bright, sunshiny day. That's what I think. Fantastic. All right.
2: So it was a pleasure to talk with you guys.
1: Thank you, Giorgio. Thank you. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net.